the Bourbon capital of the world, several strange events have occurred. Let's get to the bottom of it. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the strange tales from Bardstown, Kentucky. It's snowing in the south, boys and girls. It is snowing in the south. It's not sticking yet. Man, I love the snow. Love it. I like the snow too, but I don't like the roads when they get all nasty. That's why you. That's because you shouldn't go anywhere. True. It's starting to not snow at my house. It's starting to rain again. You should walk right into the same liquor store you always go to, <laughs> like I did, and they say. Coach, <laughs> and then you buy a case of fucking liquor. <laughs> so you're good for a day or two. <laughs> It'll get me at least forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. Twelve bottles of Evan Williams. I'm good for at least thirty six, forty eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are jumping into part three. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, 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 let's let the people know that we are coming to you for the first time in a, in a world where Georgia is the national fucking champions. <laughs> it's been 40 years. It's been 30 years. 30 years. 31. Disgusting and vile as I think that is. At least it wasn't Alabama. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So it's nice to be a Georgia Bulldog. For years, it was always the chant was it's hard to be a Georgia Bulldog, but now you it can. Was. But now we can actually go back to what the chant really means, and it is great to be a Bulldog. But anyway, yeah, it's very hard to be a Vols fan. No, man, I think y'all are looking up. But I'll stand on that. I'll stand on that hill till the day I die. Well, I've stood on mine, so here we go. All right, so for those of you that are not aware and just doesn't listen to stuff in order. This is part three of our tryst in the mysterious happenings of Bardstown. Let me me tell you, the more we look into Bardstown, the way more fucked up this place is. It's insane. Like we've never, we planned on doing one episode on Bardstown as a favor to the man that uh, sold us, I mean, sold us, gave us a bottle of liquor. Mr. Heater. He's a good dude. Yes, he is. And he was like, man, y'all really need to look into it. And I was like, man, they've already done like an oxygen network. And he's like, no, y'all need to look into it. And now, Coach and I, before we started press record, we're like, this keeps going. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how many people it won't like, stop. This, this place is fucking crazy. 
And it seems like, because I know people that have gone down through there, Mr. Hartline from Arkansas had said that he had traveled through there and that the whiskey or the bourbon trail kind of thing that's over there in Barstown was amazing. The people were amazing. He said, you would never know that it had that dark underbelly. And I mean, I think that's the thing. Like people that come in as a tourist to see Barstown tourism have no idea all this crazy shit's going on. I mean, I've been there. I've been to Heaven he- Heavenly Hills uh, Distillery. I've been in Bardstown, and I had no idea. It's... They're certainly not talking about it. Well, hell, would you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. So when we left you in part two, we had talked about the untimely death of Crystal Rogers' father, Mr. Tommy Ballard. We are picking up with what... Most people are saying could have been the first murder that started the strangeness in Bardstown. Now, this is Daniel Cahoe, and his God-given name is Daniel Dale Cahoe. He was born in Bardstown, Kentucky on April 21st, 1977, to his parents, Roger and Joan. Daniel has an identical twin, with his brother also being named Roger but he goes by Alan. He had another brother named Nathaniel. So weird happens with his twin as well. Mm-hmm. So Daniel, who had the na- nickname Sparky, that's awesome, was known to be a free spirit. He loved the outdoors. He loved fishing and hunting. His love of the outdoors and his simple-minded free spirit also resulted in Daniel being basically a drifter. He's not really homeless. He just kind of goes where he wants to. He was known to just wander from place to place in search of a good time. And this often would result in him staying or sleeping wherever he happened to get tired at. Friends and family recall that on multiple occasions, he would just find some hole to sleep in, in the woods, or like an, a rundown building in uh, downtown Barstown. You, could, you might see Daniel Cahoe just curled up in a ball sleeping. And so he had kind of hung around downtown Bardstown a lot. Now, he was not homeless. He was just kind of traveled on foot. So Jerry Boone, the owner of, here's a shocker, Boone's Butcher Shop, called, recalled this habit of Daniel's that some might describe as weird. Quote, as long as he had something over his head, he didn't care. He was just a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, end quote. Now, because of his reputation as a drifter, Daniel never sat in one place for too long. He was always on the go, and this resulted in him working a couple of part-time, on-and-off-again jobs throughout the town of Bardstown. One of these was with Smith Brothers Distributing Company, but Daniel was most well-known for working at Boone's Butcher Shop, which was located just outside of downtown Bardstown. That was where... He could usually be found when he wasn't outdoors doing something. At the butcher shop, Daniel was known for doing all kinds of odd jobs when he was not working for the shop. He would go do yard work, landscaping, wash cars, basically anything. Daniel had worked at Boone's Butcher Shop for the better part of 10 years, which he had become well-known by both the staff and all of the regular customers. He was well-liked and regarded as a good, friendly worker, and during his time, Daniel had become friends with Matthew Boone, the son of the owner, Jerry Boone. And Matthew recalled, 
quote, he wouldn't worry about tomorrow until tomorrow. On a nice summer day, he would go fishing and go walk in the woods to find stuff, so he wasn't going to be tied down to anywhere too long, end quote. Now, the one thing that kept Daniel grounded was his family, in particular his 10-year-old son, Daniel Jr. On December 24th, 2011, which for those of you that don't know, that's Christmas Eve, Daniel spent the day with his father, Roger, and Daniel Jr. The three hung out and everything seemed to be normal. Now, Roger doesn't recall anything seeming out of the ordinary from their usual visits. Before they said goodbye, Roger and Daniel made some loose plans for the next week after New Year's. The pair wanted to go hunting together and agreed to solidify their plans in the next couple of days. When they said goodbye to one another, there was no real sentiment behind it. It was just kind of those, I'll see you later kind of things. The next day, Daniel Coe was a no-show at his family's Christmas gathering. He had made plans to visit with a friend and some family throughout the day, but Daniel was a complete no-show at either place. This worried his family because Daniel was known to have a mind of his own, but he was respectful to his family and his friends and would not just fail to show up like that. It just wasn't like him. So Daniel's family began looking for him. They called his phone, but he didn't answer, and he didn't seem to be home. His known friends and acquaintances were contacted, but they too had no idea where Daniel was. Their only gift, gift, their only gift, their only gift, their only gift, yeah, their only gift, yeah, 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 yeah. Their only guess. I already know we're southern, brother. I know I don't have to overdo it, do I? (laughs) Their only guess was that Daniel had chosen to go off the grid for a time, perhaps having gone out hunting or fishing and just not telling anyone that he was going to be gone. But again, this was very unlike Daniel to blow off his family, especially on Christmas Day. So over the next several days, his father, Roger, would make repeated attempts to get in touch with Daniel. Unfortunately, all of these attempts had failed. There was no trace of Daniel. In the early morning hours of December 31st, 2011, Daniel's twin brother, Roger, was shot in the stomach. The situation was described as a domestic dispute between Roger and a woman, which spilled out to include a 58-year-old named Edward O'Brien, who ultimately pulled the trigger. Thankfully, Roger was not killed. He ran to a neighboring house and called for help. When paramedics arrived, they were able to take Roger to Flaggett Memorial Hospital, and he was transferred to the University Hospital in Louisville, with a bullet lodged in his liver. Oof. Yeah. There he was stabilized and treated. The incident would make local headlines, and the gunman, 58-year-old Edward Eddie O'Brien, was arrested and charged. However, when loved ones attempted to contact Daniel to let him know that his twin had been shot, he was still nowhere to be found. Now we're rocking on about four or five days since Daniel had been seen or heard from by any of his friends, any of his family, and he was not answering his phone, and he was not contacting anyone that had regular contact with him. Which some would consider strange. Just some. I mean... (laughs) 
Now, his loved ones would leave several voicemails explaining what had happened to his brother, but it's not believed that Daniel ever heard any of them. Speaking to the Kentucky Standard, Daniel's father, Roger, stated, quote, Right then, we knew something was wrong because he would have been there, but he never showed up, end quote. On January 5th, 2012, a vehicle was driving along the 2000 block of Bowman Lane, a small one-lane road just barely big enough for a single car. This area is miles away from the nearest town of Taylorsville. While there are homes on Bowman Lane, there are pretty few and far between. The vehicle in question rounded a large curve and passed by a single barn. The barn was an old dilapidated, I can't say it. Dilapidated? Damn, dilapidated, there we go. (laughs) Dilapidated shack surrounded by overgrown shrubs and weeds just feet away from the road. The building was once a tobacco barn and had been slowly falling apart for years. As the vehicle passes the barn, a passenger in the car in question sees something strange. There was a large gap in the side of the barn that revealed to the passenger what they thought was a body. So they stop, back up, and realize, yep, that ain't no mannequin. Dude, that's that's crazy. Like, you're going to think you see a body and you're going to investigate? Not me. I'm out. I'm out. Yep. I ain't going nowhere near that. (laughs) So the people in the car contact the police. And so the police get on scene and the people in the car, I guess that it's not really, it's kind of kept a secret, but I'm pretty sure they were like, no, right there, go over there. And they said that, yep, that's exactly what that is. That's a body. You guys found a body. Congratulations. You win the prize. Of being questioned for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) You win the prize. You get to go into into the station and... uh... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the body had no form of identification on it. So the remains were transported to the medical examiner's office in Louisville. There it was identified as being Daniel Dale Cahoe. Now, an autopsy was performed on Daniel and... It did not take the coroner very long to determine how Daniel met his demise. He had been shot once in the head. While police would not reveal specifics, they did state that the shot was not self-inflicted and appeared to have been at point-blank range. Those that knew Daniel came to the grim conclusion that he had been taken out to the barn and executed. The investigation into Daniel's death was headed by the Kentucky State Police to Detective Stephen Spurlock, with assistance from Spencer County Sheriff Buddy Stump. Man, that is an awesome name for a sheriff. Say it again. Buddy Stump. Sheriff Stump. Man, I got to go in there and talk to Sheriff Stump. I think he's going to beat shit out of me this time. (laughs) All right, so... That is a good name. Now, you got to admit that. That's a pretty good fucking name for sure. Yeah. Now, Daniel's death was being investigated as a homicide. Police believe that Daniel died on or around January the 2nd, roughly three days before his body was found. Investigators had a lo- very large period of time to work with. Since Daniel had not been seen in nearly two weeks, they began by looking at his former known hangouts and speaking to his known acquaintances. Unfortunately, police and family members would not have any luck turning up leads. Investigators reached out to Daniel's known employers 
the Smith Brothers Distributing Company, and Boone's Butcher Shop. They learned that Daniel had not been working during the entire time that he was missing. Jerry Boone, the owner of the butcher shop, said that Daniel usually dropped in three or four times a week. Quote, it was just very unusual for him not to come around. It had been two weeks since anyone around here had seen him, which was very unusual, end quote. Now, one of the major facets of the case that investigators would struggle to comprehend was why was Daniel found all the way out in rural Spencer County? Now, rural. 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 Spencer County neighbors Bardstown's county of Nelson to the north and is almost nothing but farmland and woods, especially near the Salt River where Daniel's body was found. Now, he was found just off Bowman Road, which is just a one-lane road used primarily by locals. It's miles away from any real town, and despite there being some homes and farms nearby, it was isolated enough for Daniel's remains to have been sitting there for several days without being noticed. There was no reason for Daniel to be out in that region. It is not believed that he knew anyone in Spencer County, due in part to him rarely ever even leaving Nelson County. Besides, he did not drive, and, his, and this location is approximately 15 miles away. This means it's very unlikely that he would have or could have gotten there on foot, at least not without being noticed by several people. Well, I don't know, man. When we talked about um, that one disappearance, the guy walked five miles naked. True, true. My hometown. Yeah, in sock feet, but they weren't muddy. In feet that didn't get muddy. It's crazy how that worked. Weird. Yeah. So as far as Daniel's friends and family are concerned, they don't believe that Daniel had ever been out to that area near Taylorsville. If he had gone out there, they say, he would have had to have driven with somebody like somebody he knew, since Daniel was known as a bit of a wandering spirit who seemed to head out into the woods for days at a time, investigators looked into the possibility that he might have stumbled upon something that he shouldn't have. Perhaps something like a drug deal gone awry or something similar. The idea is a bit cliche and overly used in unsolved cases, but investigators had no other leads, and it is not believed that investigators found anything of value with their drug deal gone bad theory. They also were not able to tie Daniel to having fallen in with the wrong crowd or gotten involved in any kind of major drug activity. Drugs were not to be believed to have been an issue in Daniel's life. His family knew that he liked to smoke a little weed from time to time, but that was about it. I mean, who the hell don't? <laughs> in Kentucky, I mean, who don't like to smoke a little of the crazy weed? Speaking of Kentucky, how have we not mentioned the fact that the most glorious show on the face of the earth is coming back? <laughs> I know. It's because I was going to recommend it as my recommendation. Way to screw that oh, up. I'm sorry. We're doing it right now. But Justified, the greatest television show of all time. If you haven't watched it, get on Hulu and fucking watch it because it's coming back. I think they saw the success that Dexter had, and they're like, hey, let's do it. Well, I just hope they bring back Boyd. Well, you know they are, because, hell, you know, the test pilot, when they told everybody in the audience that Boyd was dead and he wouldn't come back, they were like, y'all screwed up. You need to bring Boyd. 
Yeah, y'all need to bring Boyd back. <laughs> yes, I would say that I was a little bit more excited than most people. Not you. I know you were full-blown excited. Let me, you, let me tell you, that's probably the happiest I've been in a year. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. I'm not even joking. <laughs> it is awesome news. All right, so the only thing anyway, that... Anyway, <clears throat> That's all right, man. It's all right. Some good news. We had to share the good news. I just made the, the connection of Kentucky to, you know... Louisville, Louisville. investigators. It, yeah. It took me a minute. Just to, I mean, you're usually pretty sharp. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the only thing that tied Daniel to the local drug scene was a loose, very loose, personal connection to one of a... I guess you could say local pot dealers, I guess. Not really kingpin, but just well, a local dealer. Typically what they are. Yeah, that's true. If, if they sell the pot. They're called a dealer? They're called a dealer. Not a kingpin? That's typical jargon. Oh, okay. You know that by now. Okay. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience, managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART, all one word. That's pair.com slash free, promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. What do you call your dealer? I call him uh, my wife. <laughs> I was going to say Joe. No, no. I call him whenever he tells me to call him, sir. Master. <laughs> as long as it gives me what he needs. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. So a wild theory is that Daniel was a victim of mistaken identity. Now, remember, Daniel has a twin, identical twin. And his brother. Right. And his brother, Roger, was always mistaken for Daniel and Daniel mistaken for Roger. The only distinguishing feature between the two was at the time of Daniel's death, Roger actually had longer hair. Other than that, they might as well have been a mirror image of each other. I can see that happening more than I can him owing some drug deal or something. But both of the brothers happened to be shot just days apart. Roger on New Year's Eve and Daniel on January 2nd or close to it. The odds of twin brothers being shot so close to one another in totally separate incidents, miles apart have to be microscopic. Yeah, it's not something you typically see. No. Now, I don't, I don't know. That, I mean, maybe. Maybe we'll have to talk some twins. Like, hey, you guys get shot every You day? ever gotten shot? You ever got your butt whipped within a couple of days of each other? In a yeah, case you ever of... shot every couple of days? <laughs> <laughs> now, despite that, though, investigators don't believe that the incidences are linked at all. Really? I mean, if not, it's definitely some fucking monumental coincidence. Yeah. 
Now, Daniel's case would remain unsolved, but Roger Allen Shooter, which we all know his name, good old Eddie O'Brien, was in jail at the time that investigators believed that Daniel was killed. Yeah, but Eddie O'Brien could have some friends. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. Now, Eddie was arrested on December 31st and charged with first-degree assault, tampering with physical evidence, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. He claimed that he shot Roger after Roger started harassing and arguing with his girlfriend. After his arrest, Eddie alleged that Roger had been assaulting his girlfriend, which made him step in with a firearm. Was it just assaulting, or was it also a peppering? I don't, an- I don't know if any of peppering was occurring. <laughs> Killing me over here. All right, so poli- I'm sorry. <laughs> police labeled the issue a, quote, domestic dispute, and it was not believed to be premeditated. Just a case of an argument that quickly spiraled out of control. Eddie later pled guilty to a lesser charge of assault under extreme emotional disturbance, which is only a Class D felony in the great state of Kentucky. Now, it is possible that in the days after the shooting, someone with an axe to grind might have taken it upon themselves to deal with Roger. It is plausible that they mistake Daniel for Roger, and then things escalated to the point of no, t- no return. Or perhaps they wanted to deal a blow to the Caho family in an eye-for-an-eye fashion. After all, investigators stated their belief that Daniel had met his fate on or around January 2nd, just two days after Roger was shot. There's not a lot of evidence to back up this theory, especially since Roger's shooting was resolved pretty quickly. But Daniel was murdered in a cruel and callous manner. That would imply at least to some that whoever killed him was trying to exact some kind of revenge. And investigators, while they are keeping the lips tight, seem to have found no corroborating evidence to the fact. Toy, like a toy guy. Where's that from? Oh, you can't, we can't be friends anymore. Where, where? No, seriously, is that Austin Powers? Yeah, there you oh. go. You result. Oh. You re, hey, you redeemed yourself right there at the yeah. at the last I second. So. I was like, I know that from somewhere. At the very last second, you saved a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> no, our, our friendship ended with the fucking payday. Oh, here we go. Just can't get over peanuts and caramel. Just can't believe it's your favorite fucking candy bar. Yeah. Actually, my favorite. Well, it's not really a candy bar. We've gone through this. My favorite candy, I guess, ever is Reese's peanut butter cups. That's not a candy bar. I know. I will say God. that if I had to give you a close second, like a uh, Snickers almond, is probably up there. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Favorite candy. Is high chew. Have you ever had yes, high yes, yes. Those oh, are addictive. Yeah, those are addictive. They are very much so. Uh, uh, we digress. We digress. Mysterious chews. <laughs> we can sell them at uh, the dollar store. We can sell them at the dollar store. Mysterious chews. You just roll the dice and see what you get. You got four flavors to choose from. All right, so. Now that we're going to make millions off of Mysterious Chews, let's get back to the actual meat and taters of the episode. So at the time of Daniel's murder, it was an outlier because there was no other specific case to link it to. 
However, as all of our faithful Bruce crew knows, that is no longer the situation. In the years since Daniel's unsolved murder, there have been multiple high-profile crimes that have rocked Bargetown. Oh, really? Yeah. You probably talk about them. Well, you know, it was called... The first one was the ambush of Officer Jason Ellis in May of 2013. The murders of Kathy and Samantha Netherland in April 2014. The disappearance of Crystal Rogers in July of 2015. And the shooting death of Tommy Ballard in November 2016. None. Did we talk about those? We may have kind of just touched on them briefly. I don't know. I've drank since then. Oh, okay. So none of these cases seem to be linked to each other with the exception of the last two. However, investigators are not ruling out the possibilities that all of these cases are connected. Starting That would I mean that would be fucking crazy though. Yeah, starting in October of 2018 and they are still considering the idea and have yet to rule out the theory. Now, if you get on Reddit and I just did this today because I was looking for another part of Bargetown that we are teasing you with. They think it's a serial killer. But I don't... And maybe there is a serial killer out there. I'm not that well versed in it. But most serial killers have a type. I mean, you're not going to kill an officer, then kill a mother and a daughter, then kill a blonde-headed, blue-eyed young lady, then kill her father. And then way before that starts, you kill a drifter. I just, it's the, the victimology is all over the place. Now, that is, when you deal with unsolved murders or unsolved multiple murders, that is one of the first spots that investigators start with is the victimology. How are any of these related? Did their lives cross paths? Did they know one another? Did they run in the same circles? You know, that kind of thing. But it's just... I don't feel like this it, this screams serial killer. This is almost like just shit luck in the town of Bargetown. Now, there is a slight possibility that Daniel's death is connected to some of them or all of them or just one of them, but police have yet to reveal specific details about the investigation into Daniel's death, such as the type of weapon or ammunition used, if there were any drugs in his system at the time of the death, possible leads or suspects. It remains possible that Daniel might have been loosely affiliated with some kind of drug organization, which may tie into the other cases. And the way that that was kind of explained in the article I read, they were trying to say that, you know, Daniel did smoke a little bit of marijuana. And so he got it from his dealer. And they were trying to hint around the fact that maybe, you know, Daniel's leaving his dealer, and then maybe his dealer's supplier shows up and they have a disagreement and they felt like that Daniel may have not been gone long enough and he might have heard the either an argument or a gunshot or something like that. That's the way it was kind of explained in the article I read. But, I mean, that's a very, very, very loose tie to a drug organization, if you ask me. Now, the other theory that is going around on the interwebs is that he was, you know, Daniel was known for working odd jobs throughout Bargetown and may have heard or witnessed something right before he was killed that he shouldn't have, or he was thought to have seen or overheard something. 
And his family admits that that is a possibility, and police officials have yet to rule out any potential connections to other crimes in the region. Now, to this day, Daniel's murder remains unsolved. The case is open and being periodically investigated, but many in the area regard it as a cold case. After all, police have not revealed any specific information, not even a potential motive, and it has now been more than seven years since Daniel Cahoe was killed. Now, to Daniel's family, it seems like a resolution is as far away in this case as it was in January of 2012. In fact, his loved ones feel like Daniel's story has been overshadowed in the years since with the high-profile string of deaths and disappearances that began the next year with the ambush of Officer Jason Ellis in 2013. They feel like Daniel's case deserves just as much attention, and so do we, and that's why we kind of held his case to the end so that everybody is aware of that. But, like Coach alluded to as we got started, this is by far the last unsolved murder that we will be talking about in Bardstown. Last? It's far from the last. Far from. I thought you said by far. No, it is. I was like, you're dumb. Turns out, I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, that's third. All this is connected. It, let's let's entertain that idea for a second. If all of this is connected, this has got to be like mafia type stuff. That's the only. This is not a serial killer. Right. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. I don't think I don't think a serial killer is the answer here. No, I don't either. That's I yeah. Think it's mafia. It's got to be mafia type shit or cartel stuff, and that's why I'm kind of thinking. Oh, the same thing, cartel mafia. Um, true, but the Dixie Mafia will drown your ass with coat hangers and cinder blocks, and the cartels will just cut your head off. Well, true, but I'm saying all I'm saying is. Yo, no, no, no. Yeah, I agree with you. Sort of organized crime. Right. Yes, I agree with that statement. Yes, I. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, because... If it's connected, and we can't say whether or not it is, but it damn sure seems to be that way. And it seems like, and this is just going out on a limb, this is just my honest opinion, and I am just throwing theories out there willy-nilly. But it seems like to me, after reading about these cases so far, that you start with a free spirit here with Daniel. You know, he just, he's got a couple of part-time jobs. He loves to hunt and fish. He walks around, smokes a little dope. Hey, he doesn't hurt anybody. He's got a son, takes care of his son, takes care of his family. You know, though, one of those situations. And it almost leads me to believe that theory that he was either A, mistaken for his brother Roger, or B, someone thought that he overheard or saw something and he was killed. And he probably had no idea about anything because the way, and I, I, I don't know him, you know, I, I'm far from an expert, but I don't know him, but he just seems like the type of person to me, it's water off a duck's back, man. That's between you and them. And I don't care. I'm going about my merry way. I'm not going to say nothing, but that's, that's, I think the mistaken identity is a good lead. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's something that, that truly needs to be investigated. And you would hope, you know. Remember the guy's name that shot him? He shot him. He went to jail. His friend's pissed off that, you know, his his friend's in jail. 
he sees the guy. He's like, oh, that son of a bitch. Or, or the girlfriend, her family, thinks that Roger was beating the shit out of him or out of her and sees Daniel walking around and is like, I'm going to get that son of a bitch. I mean, it's possible. Now, the other thing going... It's as good an explanation as we can come up with. Yeah, with the information that we know. Yeah, I mean, because we're not very good at coming up with theories. No. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the other thing with trying to tie these together with like a syndicate or a, you know, organized crime situation is if you go to Jason Ellis, if you start with him after Daniel was, this is totally out, you know, this is a huge rabbit hole, tinfoil hat theory, was Ellis... Did Ellis somehow get wind of something that happened with Daniel's case? Because it would have been only it would have been less than a year when right before Ellis is killed. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting theory. And then whoever it is decides, hey, he knows something. We got to take care of him. But the out, I think the outlier is not Daniel. I think the outlier is the Netherlands. I think they that is just so against. I don't know, man. I just because you can definitely you are not going to be able to convince me that whoever made Crystal disappear didn't kill her father. Oh, I agree with that one hundred percent. And then I'm not so sure that the father, Crystal's father, Tommy, didn't uncover some things about Ellis and maybe what he was murdered for. You know, it, it, I mean, it's a lot of conjecture and a lot of circumstantial things going on here. But, man, it's, I don't believe they're all separate incidences. There's no way lightning strikes year after year after year after year for five straight years. Yeah, it's, it's hard to not make a connection. Yeah, it's very but hard. what connection is it? Right, that's the thing. It seems very, very likely that all of this connected. It seems like it has to be, but there's just no reason for it. Not on the surface. And that's what I'm wondering. You know, I know investigators are being tight-lipped about what kind of caliber gun was used in the murders of Daniel and Tommy and the Netherlands. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? The person is dumb enough to use the same gun for every murder? Well, here's my thing. I don't think it is. It would almost be one of those situations where... They may have used the same gun for Daniel and the Netherlands, but I feel like Tommy was shot with a high-powered rifle. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. And then... Absolutely. He was was executed sniper style. Right. And then Ellis is shot with a shotgun from a perched location. He's probably less than 30 yards away. So, I don't know, man. It's It's just... It's difficult. I mean, again, if this is if these are connected, it is screaming of organized crime. But still, the question is why. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Somebody somewhere has to either think they knew something or they were close to finding something out. And I guess my thing is with Daniel. If you look at Daniel's case, if he's really truly a wanderer in the woods in rural Kentucky and he likes to go hunting and fishing, there's no telling what he stumbled across. He could have walked across a a rival pot dealer out there that he didn't know about and then he mistakenly hey man did you know so-and-so was growing pot too and that may have started it um he could have wandered across the damn moonshine steel there's no telling 
I don't know, though. In Kentucky, you ain't going to kill somebody over a moonshine steal. You wouldn't think. You'd be like, oh, shit, you got a moonshine steal, too? <laughs> how you running your setup? Man, how's it going? <laughs> like, you doing good? Like, how, how, how strong's your shit? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess that's the thing. I mean, did he walk across something in his, you know, I guess for lack of better words, a walkabout that he performed all the time going hunting and fishing? And it's not like we're trying to wrap up this whole series. We're just telling, we're just trying to give you theories on the ones that we know right now. No, shit, no, we can't. But uh, yeah, this might be like forever. <laughs> Bardstown Part Seventeen. We may be moving to Bardstown. <laughs> shit. Well, if we did, we'd have to be on the liver transplant very soon. If after we moved oh, up yeah, there, you don't want me to go to Bardstown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, you want to give your recommendation since you done blown mine out of the water? I'm sorry, but my <laughs> recommendation is if you have not yet gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. We need that because it promotes the podcast. It gets us out there to other people. The higher we're ranked, the higher we're uh, Same. exposed. So. You know, and we've gotten do that if you haven't, if you find it in your heart. If and if you have not, and here's the thing, I'll piggyback off of yours. And if you have given us a five star review on Apple iTunes, head over to Spotify, and they are now accepting reviews. And give oh, us really? a review. I didn't know that. Yeah, they just started like a week ago. So give us a review on Spotify. That will help tremendously, tremendously. Get off your lazy ass and expose us. That's right. We are big in Guyana. If the people in Guyana can rank us in their country as high as number two. We were number two in Guyana? Number two in Guyana. We've stayed in the top five for three weeks. Guyana and Rwanda? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, hey, I never thought I'd go to the dark continent, but I might. Uh... (laughs) I would love to, but man, you got to take a whole lot of shots. Yeah, and I don't like needles either. I don't either, but woo, buddy, we might have to. We might we have to do a live show from the Horn of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a deep, <laughs> dark hut <laughs> with lions, owls of Africa. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And uh, one last thing, Coach, I did not tell you this off air, but we since we have made the switch to the new podcast hosting on Anchor, uh, we are averaging 1,100 downloads per week. So while we may not be getting the accolades from iTunes, we people are finding us left and right. So thank I mean, you. 1,100 Downloads a week. What seven billion people on the planet? I know it's, but we don't advertise. We don't have advertisers. Eleven hundred. We fucking need to advertise, bro. I know we do. Hey, if you own a small business, we will make you a hell of a deal. You've been hoarding all that damn uh, Patreon money. I ain't seen a dime. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You know, because we're making a killing. I've been able to quit my job. I just didn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, coach. You got anything else? You know I don't. Deuces.